Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hi, Olivia. It's season three, baby. <laughs> oh, so excited to be back. It's so good to be here. Thank you, New York. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, All right. Olivia really wanted to start using those sound effects in season three, so here we are. If you're into them, let us know. I think you are going to be. They're really fun. I, I think it doesn't matter. I think you are into them, and that's what counts. I'm so into them. Oh, my God, Micah. I was talking right before this. I was like, this feels nostalgic. But then I was like, oh, no, this is also just our life now. There's nothing <laughs> right. nostalgic about it. We're living in the present, and we just took a little break, and we're back. Yeah, if you haven't been keeping up, this is the weekly typographic where we talk about nerdy type stuff. And we took the summer off. So we great. We do this every week if this is like the first time that you're hearing this. And we talk about cool type links that are in the League of Movable Type newsletter because that is the foundry that we run. Mm, the League of yeah. Movable Type. Indeed. So here we are. Welcome. We took the summer off, which I think has been pretty nice, to be honest. We got a few really nice messages in our inbox being like, so glad you're taking the summer off, but when are you coming back? Which just warmed our little hearts. That was very sweet. Definitely appreciated. It was so nice having the summer off, but intermittently we were meeting to do planning, obviously, for this next season to make sure we had some good stuff lined up. Very excited for what's to come. Steph wrote a very cute blurb in our newsletter that we're not only back to the podcast, but we're back to school. We have a workshop coming up that we're going to be talking about shortly. Super exciting and just really great nerd alerts plan for the next month or so that we're going to dive into all the stuff people have been talking about this summer, whether that's Dolly, that new artificial intelligence image generator. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what is it like marketing type to the masses. We've been seeing some interesting stuff around that. Talking about trial fonts in the coming weeks. Talking about 3D type. I think there's some interesting creators in that world. And quite a few interviews, which I think I'm going to keep a secret. I think I'm not going to tell probably, anyone yeah, who's coming. Because... It's going to be a nice surprise, but hopefully we're going to get um, three or four amazing people on here to impart all the wisdom they have in the typographic world. Which that ties into, you know, some of the things that we have been talking about behind the scenes, it's like what our mission is with the league and like the ways that we want to use it as a platform to give people voices who maybe don't get enough of a voice in the type industry. Exactly. Also, a few things came out this summer. Micah, you had some Google Fonts knowledge that had all of your wisdom come out. I forgot about that. Yeah. Google had been working on a big push of educational content for Google Fonts and had asked a handful of people to write and or review stuff. And I got to work on that with Thomas Jockin, who's also a friend of the league and type nerd like the rest of us. And so there's a handful of stuff on Google Fonts with my name on it, which is pretty cool. I love that. I think that's very cool. I always like seeing your name out in the world. Being like, oh, my celebrity friend. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> the type celebrity bank you're rich. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, at this point, you are more of a, a type celebrity, which I, I like seeing. You went to Ladies Wine and Design, right? Yes. 
Yeah, that was really fun. Tell us about that a little bit. There was a panel back in mid-July with amazing other women in a beautiful space in Gowanus, Brooklyn, which crazy real life event. It was like my first type or design event since before the pandemic. And I was very honored to be asked to be part of the panel all about community and what it means to create a design community and to be part of a design community. I obviously talked about the league mostly and my journey with all this. I imparted lots of classic Micah Rich advice um, that seemed to resonate with people as it has resonated with me. Um, and it was, it was great being like part of that community, met some women that I've just said like such design crushes on, like doing crazy great work out there, including Alana Flowers, who used to be mm, our workshop teacher. It was so amazing. Um, actually getting to connect with her in person and felt very inspired. So yeah, that was one of the things happening since I've been gone. <laughs> Good reference. Good reference. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Any more chit chat so we get into these links? I guess we're going to talk about the workshop at the end. Let's talk the about the workshop at the beginning. We can talk about it first. Oh, okay. Well, what the heck is the workshop then? I'm so excited about this, guys. It's been many months in the making, in the planning, and drum roll, please. Oh, wait. I'm not prepared. Hold on. We can do this. It's going to be a vectoring for lettering workshop by Lini Kauri, and I'm so pumped. This is somebody that you have fought on the internet for a long time, right? She's extremely talented. Tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, so she's designer, type design, lettering artist, incredibly talented with anything letter forms. I also know she's an educator. She's taught before. I think she just finished the Type Paris program this past summer, which is so exciting. I'm so glad we caught her early enough to get this planned out for August. And she's based in Sao Paulo. And she's coming with us in a little bit over a week, I believe, from the time this episode airs. So August 20th and 21st, Alini is leading our workshop, vectoring for lettering, getting a handle on your Bezier curves. And it's all about how to become a better digital craftsperson and have better digital craftsmanship. A lot of the times when we learn the pen tool and Bezier curves, like in early design classes, whether that's lettering or graphic design, I think really mastering it is a totally different thing. And it's something that I even feel like I could get a better hold on. And I've been vectoring letter forms for years. We've seen the outline. We know there's a bunch of really good tips and tricks. There's a bunch of tools that I've never used before that are going to be showcased in here. And again, I've been designing for like five years. So I'm just so thrilled to kind of get this outside perspective on how to be a more efficient and more skilled vectoring artist, especially like a lot of your job sometimes as a graphic designer is making beautiful vectors. And I think to do it properly with a really trusted method is going to make you a more confident designer. And I just, I absolutely just can't wait for this. Yeah. So it's going to be one of our classic two-day workshops where it's like an hour and a half on Saturday. Well, depending on your time zone, but still Eastern time zone. We'll, we'll share the times later. And then something to work on over the evening and then kind of some feedback and like extra learning the next day. Yeah, very exciting. I want to have Olini review my vectoring because I thought this was good. How can I make it better? (laughs) 
It's going to be excellent. And she is so generous with her teaching and her sharing of her skills. And I think this is just a great way to get people one little level above where they are now. Definitely like a little shift in perspective. And I've missed doing a workshop with (laughs) you and the outside world and giving someone else a platform to share their wealth and knowledge. It's always an amazing thing. That's true. And while we're saying that, at the moment, this is the one that we have planned, but we're definitely open to other ideas for workshops and new people who maybe we haven't taught with before. So if you have something that you have ever like considered teaching or something that people are telling you you're good at and might be useful for other people, even if you haven't taught before, feel free to email us. Like Our, our email is on the website and you can find it in a million places, but just message us and let us know because we're definitely open to new people and new concepts that might be helpful to the community. Always appreciate that little broadcast PSA. Indeed. It's great. I love it. Also, if you're a league member, you get a discount on the workshop. So Oh, that's true. I mean, it's season three, so we can just like do a small reintroduction. Our membership, you get three fonts in your inbox. Not free fonts. You get fonts. Some of them are free. You get several <laughs> right. fonts in addition to the newsletter in your inbox. Every week, they're fantastic. I have them all saved in the little links folder on my computer. And then you also get to support us because, yeah, helping us keep the lights on, doing our thing, making this platform available to everyone. And then also discounts on the workshops. So lots of good stuff. And things are in the works, Winky Face. (laughs) Yeah, we have been thinking a lot this summer about what membership could be and maybe different tiers and different access levels and and like other cool stuff that might be helpful towards helping people learn how to make fonts or use fonts better as a designer, you know? So yeah, I think the membership is going to be improving a lot this fall Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to be able to talk about that when we actually launch stuff. Yes, me too. All right. Back to our regular programming of Fun design, news, links, resources, inspiration. We're going to get going. Our first article, I think, was found earlier this summer. And Steph was like, I'm, you know, compiling the newsletter. This article's really good. I'm going to wait to put in the newsletter so you guys are back on the podcast so we can talk about it and have an interesting conversation. It's called In the Rarified World of Jewish Letters, a Mind Boggling Font of Jewish History. Hebrew text has become ubiquitous, but it started out as something Jewish or anti-Semitic. This is a very well-researched piece into the history of the faux Hebrew font. So you can think about certain characters having the stress on um, the opposite, reverse contrast stress, in a brush calligraphic way. So if you think about like Hebrew letter forms, what does it look like when Latin letter forms are Hebrewized? And it's all about what that font means, if it's a positive thing, if it's a negative thing, where did it come from? It starts with a little anecdote about soy vey, the teriyaki sauce that I think we used to use in my household, which is hilarious because we were half Jewish, half Asian. I don't think I ever actually read that that's what that logo said, though. I like, never I, have. Yeah. Like, I, I just, know the branding for sure and, and have certainly used it, but never realized that pun. Right? So it starts with something that like we see every day, and then the whole article goes into this big deep dive. It was very interesting. This Hebrew font has been used by Jewish people. It's also been used to weaponize campaigns against Jewish people by anti-Semitic groups. But it's really interesting. They talk about it also in the context with 
the Chinese and Japanese-like fonts, the chop suey fonts that we've talked about before mm. that you'll see on Chinese takeout containers. There is a little bit of difference in the history. So, you know, those chop suey fonts were designed by white Americans to exoticize and often ridicule Asians. And now Asian Americans have kind of co-opted this and subverted the meaning. But what's different about the faux Hebrew is that it is actually quite similar to some of the characters in the Hebrew alphabet, whereas like in these Chinese and Japanese fonts, you can't mimic literal characters of kanji or whatever. So it's like a very watered down, muddled version of visual communication where the faux Hebrew actually is a little bit more similar the way like a Greek-like font is more similar to the writing system. And also there's questions about the origins, but a lot of people think when it was originated, it was used by Jewish people, used as like a celebration and as a prideful thing. I think because it was used as a celebration of Jewish culture, it could also be used as a weapon, which is so nuts because we're all we're talking about is a font right now. Yeah. But it's super political. I've gone into the history of the black letter font and the use of that by the Nazis. And this just has like an equally like really intense history of being used as a good thing to express pride, being used as a weapon, disappearing altogether after World War II. I guess it really disappeared from the visual landscape for a couple decades. And then reappearing, I think, in pop culture. I think I saw something where it was like albums that were by Jewish people or had Jewish names like Bubba and Zyda's Cha 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 would use the font again like 1959. So really interesting history from all the way of vaudeville Jewish performance posters to soy teriyaki in our grocery stores. This is a wildly in-depth article too. I felt like this was a whole book. Yeah. Like, yeah. it spans so much time and so many different perspectives uh, on this topic that it was, I don't know the word count here, but it uh, felt like a pretty significant and fascinating read. Yeah, exactly. It ends with this really interesting lettering design, and it kind of is more of a big picture zoom out. But if you go to the very end, you can see this. It's called Aravit is the lettering. And each letter is designed so that the top is a recognizable Arabic character and the bottom is Hebrew. So when it's displayed in Israel, it can communicate to like the most amount of people. And I think that was a little bit different about connecting stories in a much broader level, obviously with like a lot of the conflict happening there. One of the more interesting lettering projects I've seen recently that I've never seen someone combine two languages into a font. And now I'm just thinking about it. Yeah, and honestly, that links to a whole website entirely about it which i think involves like a ted talk that you can that you can listen to to understand some of the reasoning behind it very mm. interesting stuff yeah you just never know what itself gonna, could like, have been a link you know right for, because it was part of this link it was like well we can do two for one yeah 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 exactly so definitely check that out lots of links to other things about jewish culture and architectural history in lower east side where you see faux hebrew letters it's really fascinating history about when the jewish star uh came in vogue and um just the jewish american identity so yeah definitely like a big hitter starting out this week yeah exciting yeah, indeed next link Micah, I think yeah. it's time to pass the mic off to you. Yeah, that's fair. This is a very technical link. You probably won't enjoy reading this, but good to know that it exists uh, for all of the technical peeps out here working with fonts on the web. Uh, somebody tweeted about this. I forget who. Twitter is always uh, easy to lose track of stuff. But anyway, it is a sort of a new working draft, as they say, with the worldwide web. Illuminati 
who are in charge of the entire internet, basically. Like the people who make the standards for the internet, W3C, I guess have been working on a new set of technologies. It sounds very complicated, but really it comes down to, at the moment, when you're using a font on the web, like a custom font on the web, which everybody does at this point, when we started the league that didn't exist and now it's like super common. And the thing is that the browser has to download the full font to be able to render any words in that custom font. And while a lot of people have very fast internet speed where that happens within a second or so, a lot of people don't. And sometimes, you know, if you don't like have the right technology set up, it can display nothing. It can display the wrong font. So the point is, you have to download the full font where this new technology that they're working on and hopefully will adopt is incrementally downloading the font. So basically, like, I think it's saying as characters appear on the screen, it'll be able to download those characters and display that faster and kind of render the full font by the time you get to the full font. Mm. Micah, always putting it in more human words. I saw this document and was like, this is all technical things. But I think that's actually pretty interesting. I was like a little sad to link to this actual document because it's so hard to look at and read. And like once you get into it, it's like a lot of code that nobody needs to read. But the introduction is useful. And the fact that it's something that they're working on, like, I mean, how many of us would have even considered that that was a thing to improve? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, definitely interesting to have this out in the world. I'm sure a lot of digital designers, like, this is much easier to parse out if you know code. And realistically, probably this will be, like, you won't be able to tell the difference, I'm sure. Mm, By the time this turns into a real thing that is standard, it'll just be that fonts load faster in your browser. Yeah. Yeah. But it's neat to understand that people are working on the intricacies of how to make that happen for typography on the web. Oh, yeah. Make everyone's experience just a little bit better. Good find, my friend. Our next find, very excited about, from Print Mag, Type Tuesday. Stephen Minisfand tackles type in the healthcare industry. That is my best attempt at the name. I hope I got it right, Stephen. This is a very interesting article. So Stephen Minisfand is the head of design at Minds and Assembly, which is a creative agency whose goal is to use design as a force for good, but also have an emphasis on pharmaceuticals and medical side of design, which is interesting. So like the article starts out too with Stephen talking about how pharma really actually gets a bad rep in the design world because it seems as something that's super limiting and isn't going to like lead to really flourishing, creative, imaginative ideas. But Stephen himself was working at a bunch of agencies, working with big clients, and realized that like he kind of lost his sense of purpose and found that he could find that purpose with more human-centered design with an industry that is not known for design, which I think is just really interesting. I definitely recommend checking out the website for Minds and Assembly. They have really interesting video just like quickly showing some of the design work they do. And it is really inspiring. It's stuff in a category. It's design work in a category that feels really elevated and also feels like they're trying to talk 
with people and not just with other businesses or doctors. Whereas like, I think there's a mindset around design for pharmaceuticals that like, oh, well, people have to buy meds. So no one's going to care about the design. And then what happens though, if the design can actually connect with a person a little bit more in an emotional, authentic way. And I don't know, it's really inspiring for me. And they talk about typography, about how important typography is for like inaccessibility, but also how it's its own language of itself and how things could just be experienced differently with powerful design and type. And yeah, I don't think about pharmaceutical design very much. And I also give it that rep being like, well, don't want to be there. Like that seems really limiting and just super constraining. But I think he talks about how that constraint really allows their creativity to kind of bloom at the agency. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I didn't think about it so much from the perspective of the design must be limiting, which I'm sure is true. I get that now that you mention it. But I always thought of it as like, ooh, the pharmaceutical industry, especially in America, is like super messed up and awful. Why would you want to work in that? And this mm-hmm. kind of brings it to a perspective of it is supposed to be for helping people. Yeah. So let's refocus on that. And that makes it very interesting. Yeah. And I think if you look at some of the designs they have in their portfolio, like it doesn't have that sterile, just corporate branding for another drug that I think we often see. Um, It feels like really well considered. And I don't know, just I'm going to keep it in my back pocket for when I need to be inspired to work on a brand that maybe seems straightforward and thinking about Mm. how you could really flex something like that. Good call. Good call. Final article today is a fun one. It's like a just for fun. It is from Design Milk and it's the Glyph Collection is a typographic textile masterpiece. So apparently at Neocon 2022, which I guess I should look that up. I don't know what that is. House Industries and ArcCom premiered their textiles that are used with house industry typographic forms. And unusual. You don't usually see type being used as pattern, but they take things like the lowercase i, um, the parentheses, the tilde, and they upholster some typographically shaped furniture oftentimes in this. And it's just a celebration of how fun forms are made from letter forms. I think that's kind of silly, but also kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I honestly don't even have much to add to that. It's kind of silly, kind of fun. Seems like somebody who just enjoys the craft wanting to experiment and have fun with it. Yeah. It looks like super mid-century. I mean, that's like literally House Industries' whole deal. Right. That totally tracks. But would I buy a hashtag sofa for my house? 100%. (laughs) Really? It's really fun. It looks really nice to have. I mean, I don't (laughs) know if I can actually purchase it, but I have a good time. Or a semicolon, maybe. Who knows? Pick and choose the letters that you want displayed in your living room. Oh, my God. I can't even. But, yeah, just a fun little link to check out, pass around. It is in Chicago, I think, I saw. Oh, okay. Which is classically your hometown. It's like a little showroom in some place. Oh. I don't really understand it. Well, if it's still there in September, I know where I'm going to be. <laughs> Actually, I'm on the website now that they link to in the article, and there's like a 3D walk through where it's like a textile showroom of all the all the things they came up with wow i mean textiles and typography not the most combined mediums but true, i am here for true, it true 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 yeah all right easy breezy beautiful 
season three, baby. Season three, guys. I don't know. Say it again. Try it one more time. No, it's that. We got that one. That's all we got. <laughs> season three, baby. Here you go. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Well, Olivia, it's good to hear your voice again, even though I've heard it a couple times. But everybody else, I hope you can appreciate Olivia's wonderful voice being back on the digital radio. It's happening. It's happening, guys. And lots to look forward to. We're going to be weekly. We're going to be weekly for a while, probably until winter break. So, And as always, if you find something cool, you know, send us an email, hit us up on Instagram. I run the Twitter, so I rarely check that, but... Uh... <laughs> Instagram's a good one because Olivia's more responsible than me. And uh, send us cool stuff. If if there's something you found or want to show off, hit us up. All right. <gasps> do 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 do